0: Chapter Twelve of the Gray Man. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeremiah Sutherland, Victoria, British Columbia. The Gray Man by S. R. Crockett. Chapter Twelve The Flitting of the Sal. It was Lammas Day, and the strange wager of battle was about to be fought. Master Robert Bruce, who had composed so many quarrels, and made so many more in the doing of it had altogether and utterly failed to make up this one so he had passed south to his friend and favourer the laird of bargany who for all his soldiership was ever great for the honour of the kirk i hope that the minister of edinburgh made more of him than he made of earl john of whom he gat nothing but fair speeches and most indifferent drink which were indeed in my time the staples of Cassillis hospitality now it so happened that sir thomas kennedy my master could not move from his chair much less sit a horse because of that old income in the knee which ever in the hot season of the year caused him so much pain and trouble thus it fell to me to lead our small levee from the lands of calzean for we were near to the country of the Barganies, and it would not do in the absence of an armistice to denude our head castle of all the fighting men that were thereabout. the morn of lammas was one that promised to open out into a day of fervent heat for the mists rose lazily but did not dissolve as the sun climbed the skies yet it was a morning that pleasured me beyond telling as i buckled on my new sword of price and rode out to fight i am not averse from fighting but i own it is the riding out in array that i chiefly love what a heartsome sight it was when we turned our faces towards cassillis yet and saw the companies of kennedys come riding and running over every green knoll long upright men of the south who had started the night before from far Minnochside and Auchneil shoulder-bent shoremen who came over the edge of brown carrick pikemen spearmen and men, together with a multitude of limber pranksome lads with only a leathern jacket and a winger when we came to cassillis yet there by the road end was sir thomas toad who was charged to tell us that my lord had gone on before us with many soldiers and horsemen they had taken also with them a trail cart being a box with shafts like a carriage but without wheels mounted on a great brush of branches and twigs which stuck out behind and scored the ground with a thousand ruts and scratches This was for the conveyance of the sow which from sundawn to sunset was to be tethered in despite and contempt upon the lands of the crawfords of curse For that was the wager of battle between the kennedys and the crawfords The place where we found the earl and his tethered sow was well chosen It was a three-cornered piece of land of which two sides were defended by the dune water sharply bending back upon itself, while across the broad base of the triangle there ran a moss. The beating of the drums and the playing of the pipes were on all the hills, and so gay and cheerful was the scene that it might have been a fair or a weapon shawing for the sound of merrymaking and deray that there was all about. The dune that should run so red or sunset now sparkled pure and clear in the light of morning, and the speckled pits and pigeons scudded here and there among the coppices we had not been long established on this tongue of land with our tethered sow when there arose a crying among the outposts and word was brought that from all the crags of kyle and out of all the country of the east the crawfords and their allies were gathering to the trysted fray presently we saw them top the bray in ordered companies it was bonny to see them come stringing down the sides of the hills now going singly like cattle along a path in the steep places and now forming into squadrons and companies on the plain ground the sunshine sifted through the thin clouds as through a sieve and made a strange pale glittering on their war-gear so that all the country round was lit up with little sparkling flashes of fire like the wave-tops when the sun rises out of the eastern sea they had their drums also though it was the latest of many affronts that the kennedys had put holes in all the crawford drums which were in the town of ayr upon the last market-day and this quarrel also had to be settled presently we could see all twelve of the stalwart sons leading on their vassals from the brown hills they were a sunburnt company because it was about the lammas tide when the Muir men are wont to be out all day at the watersides at the winning of the meadow hay the crop which is hard to grow ill to mow but worst of all to gather into barn as the saying goes in the parts of the outland hills it was nine of the morning when the crawfords moved to the attack all this while the loathly sow that was at once provocation and offence lay upon a little mound in the midst of our camp grunting and grumphing most filthily the earl had set a little snipe of a raggedy loon to stir her up with a pointed stick so that she should not go to sleep but should grunt and disport herself as she ought being thus encouraged the boy did his work to admiration and the old grouting wretch kept up such a snorking and yelehooing that she could be heard almost from Dalrymple kirk to the manes of curse then there was a pause for parley of this i will not write at length because it was for the most part but rudeness and dirtiness that were bandied about and between each party miscalling the other for greater thieves and worse murderers than their neighbours even in this i do not think we had the worst of it for john dick whose finger stump was well healed spat out oaths as if for a wager and muckle hugh miscalled the crawfords in a voice like thunder as though they had been dogs that would not run aright upon the hillsides of Kirrimore in that dear land which looks towards galloway now i cannot say that i was keen of this particular quarrel for though there was some pleasure in making a figure in the great hall at curse i foresaw but a brawling of clowns and the splattering of confused fighting without honour or chivalry in this affair of swine and blundering melees. Yet, because I was there in the place of my knight, I could do no more than just bear the brunt and abide. Presently the Crawfords came on with their horsemen first and the pikemen behind, but the mounted men came not far, for the bog laired their horses, and they sank deeper and deeper at every step. Then the footmen came between them and charged up to our foremost lines, so that we were hand to hand and hard at it in a trice. It was not however the work of many minutes to guard them turn about and run for our front was solid and broad while the hackbutt shooters had fine rests for their guns so that on a still day they could bring a man down at thirty yards or more a good many crawfords were already splattering like wounded waterfowl in the moss which protected our front after this we had time to look across the dune water from which there was a crying and lo there on the bank stood our late guest Mr. Robert Bruce the minister of Edinburgh But our earl was now too hot to think of courtesy so he bade the minister stop where he was or come over and take a pike by the end And this greeting made me sorry for he was a grand looking man with his long black cloak and his noble black horse Which they say had once been the king's own charger? so I took the great risk of drawing the earl aside and urged upon him that he should call a parley and see what the minister wanted this very reluctantly he did and we could hear master Bruce speaking from over the dune-water clearly as if he had been in his own pulpit in The King's name I bid you cease he cried and in God's name I debar and forbid you If ye persist I shall deliver you to Satan so that ye may learn that it is dangerous to despise authority Hoot toot mr. Bruce the days of curses are by with said the Earl and besides the most of us have ta'en a heap of risks afore new we can e'en afford to take another i wish to speak said the minister with crawford of curse then gang farther up the waterside and gee a cry there's nae crawfords here except dead-ends said the earl who had his daft coat on him that day so that we feared he had been bewitched but the young men of the crawfords would have nothing to say to him having as i suspect no goo for a minister meddling in the bickerings of men so he returned and asked cassillis for one to take him to curse "'Go, Lancelot,' said the Earl, "'and guide him. "'We will manage somehow to keep the battle up among us till you return. "'So nothing loath to get away from gruntling horror on the now-top. "'I set Dom Nicholas's breast to the river and was beside the minister in a trice. "'As I passed up the waterside, I came quite near to David Crawford the Younger. "'He stelled up the cock of his pistol to shoot at me, but I held up my hand. "'I am going to the curse to see your father. "'Have you any word?' I cried to him." FOR IN THESE QUAINT TIMES THE FRIENDLINESS AND COMPLAISANCE WITH WHICH KILLING WAS DONE WILL SCARCE BE BELIEVED, OFTEN WITH A JEST AND, AS ONE MIGHT SAY, AMICABLY. TO SEE MY FATHER, CRIED DAVID ACROSS THE WATER, YOU'LL FIND HIM BIRD ALONE, THEN TELL HIM THAT WE'LL FLIT THE CASILIS SOW, OR IT BE DARK YET. HE TURNED AGAIN TO WHERE HIS BROTHERS WERE STANDING IN COUNCIL, LOOKING OFTEN SOUTH AND NORTH, AS THOUGH THEY EXPECTED SOME reinforcement. THEN SOMETHING CAME INTO HIS MIND. Gangs the minister to curse will you he cried down the wind i told him i then said he laughing he is likely to hear my father at his devotions i had at that time no inkling of david crawford's meaning but before all was done i learned so master robert bruce and i rode daintily and cannily along the riverside till we came to the ford of the mill which is beneath the house of curse as we rode our horses through the water and slowly up the bank, and even as we set our heads over the edge, we heard the loud and wrathful crying of a voice that shook the air. It sounded just as when, straying by quiet woodland ways, one turns the corner of a cliff and comes suddenly upon the sea edge, and lo, the roar and brattle of the waves on the long beaches. As we neared the house of curse we noted that the words rose and fell, swaying like the voice of a preacher who has repeated the same prayer times without number. Did not the young man mention that his father was at his devotion? Heard ye ever tell that he was a religious person, asked the minister of me. I answered him no, but by all accounts the contrary. I told him that I had once been in the house of curse, and that none there, including myself, I might have added with truth, seemed to be greatly oppressed with any overload of the Christian virtues. When we came near we were aware of a wide and vacant house, all the doors open to the wall, stables and barn alike void and empty not so much as a dog-stirring but from the house-end that looked down the water there came the crying of this great voice of one unseen mid-noon though it was and i with the most noted minister in scotland by my side i declare that i felt eerie indeed i have never cared for coming on a habited house when it stands empty with all the furniture of service left where the folk laid them down and finding no one therein such a place is full of footfalls and whispers and a kirkyard at midnight is not more uncanny at least not to my thought it sounds much like a man blaspheming his maker said the minister we rode round an angle of the wall where there was a flanking tower and there straight before us sitting on a high oaken chair under a green tree was old david crawford of curse his head thrown forward his hands clenched his eyes fixed on the brow of the hill over which his sons had gone while from his mouth there came an astounding stream of oaths and cursings of which so far as one could grasp it the main purpose seemed to be the sending of every kennedy that ever drew the breath of life directly and eternally to the abodes of the damned we dismounted leisurely from our horses and reined them loosely to the rings in the looping on stone at the house end then master bruce strode forward and stood in front of the old man who had never for a moment noticed us nor ceased from his earth-shaking cursings not until the tall and dark figure of the minister had blotted out the point of the hill towards which he looked did the old man intermit his speech then he drew his hand slowly across his brow and threw his head back as if to distinguish whether it were indeed a living man who stood before him i am robert bruce minister of the town of edinburgh said my companion and i come from his majesty the king of scotland to bid you make an end of this evil and universal regardlessness which has polluted the whole country with cruelty and dissension with public factions and private deadly feuds old david crawford leaned forward in his chair and set his hand to his ear as though he had not heard a word of the minister's speech what say ye man he cried testily like one who is stayed from his purpose by childish pranks i say said the minister stoutly that the disquieting of the lieges with jacks breastplates plate sleeves and pistols is as much dishonouring to god as it is distasteful to his majesty the king hear ye me my man hey ye done said old david glowering at him are you a christian man said the minister sternly or he added as if on second thoughts a loyal subject of king james the sixth christian cried the old man with great indignation did you spear me gin i am a christian Man, do ye you know ken that I am an Ayrshireman, and as for a loyal subject of King Jamie, man, I have been fourscore year and ten in the world, and proud am I to say that three score and six of them have been at the King's horn for rebel and outlaw, and never a penny the war o' either, being ever willing and able to keep my ain head and hold my ain land against baith prince and providence. Old man said the minister sternly, "Can ye that ye speak blasphemies?" "'Know ye not that for every word ye utter, God shall enter into judgment with you?' Verra likely,' said David Crawford dryly. "'Stand oot to my licht, man. I cannot see through ye. "'Ging ye dinna. This pistol will enter into judgment with you.' The minister stepped aside, not, as I think, at all for fear of the pistol, but despairing of reaching the conscience of such a seared and battered heathen. Then suddenly the old man rose from his seat as one that sees a heavenly vision, his face appeared transfigured and shining and with his white hair falling on his shoulders i declare he looked like the apostle andrew in the papish window of the high kirk of edinburgh i see him i see him he cried he comes with the tidings of battle i looked where he pointed with his eyes but could see nothing save a black dot which seemed to rise and fall steadily nevertheless the old man spoke the truth it was indeed a swift rider making straight for the house of curse as the man came nearer, we saw him spur his horse till it stumbled and fell at the park dykes, weary or wounded we could not tell which. This roused David Crawford, and he shouted to the man, who now came on lamely on foot, "'Man, is the sow flitted?' he cried. The man, petching and blown with his haste, could not answer till he came near. "'Is the sow flitted?' again shouted the old man. "'Oh, laird curse!' cried the messenger, the tears trickling down his face pity this sorrowful day there has been a waysome slaughter o' your folk ten of them are dead is the sow flitted cried crawford louder than ever can you no answer yea or nay oh curse hear me and weep your bra and bonny son jock the flower of kyle is stricken through the heart and lies called and dead on the ground scoundrel dolt yammering calf answer or die is the sow flitted the patriarch stood on his feet fiercely threatening the messenger with his staff the sow is flitted cried the man that and no more the old man fairly danced in a whirling triumph cracking his fingers in the air with joy like a boy my thumb for jock cried he the sow's flitted and with that he dropped slack and senseless upon his great chair the minister took my arm and led me to the looping on stone come away he said sadly it is no use ephraim hath too long been joined to his idols let him alone. It is as good master Knox foretold, the word of God is indeed made of none effect in Kyle and Carrick. End of chapter 12